Welcome to Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and I'm here with Matt Leach. How are you? Good, thank you. Although a bit nervous. There's a lot of fires around at the moment. Although I think our air quality is better than yours. The fires are up here, but the smoke seems to be going down to where you are. Yeah, shit's on fire, yo. Um, it's super smoky. Is, is this just normal life now? It's been going for so long. Uh, it's a really good point, actually. Um, yeah, look, we, we have this fire app that we, we look at during summer. And to be honest, the last couple of summers, it's been like, yes, there's fires on there and they sort of pop up and you sort of watch them. But like, if you look at it now, and, and I encourage anyone, you know, it's a free download. They can get this app. Um, it is scary. Like there are so many fires on there. We should put something in the show notes, just a screenshot of what we're seeing. But yeah, mm. may, maybe this is what we're just used to from now on. Like this, maybe this is, you know, the new kind of Australian. If you live near the bush, you deal with fires all the time. So yeah, and if you live anywhere else, it's just smoky. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I just, while we're on the topic, I just wanted to really uh, acknowledge the support the firefighters and the volunteers are doing. It's like friends of mine, uh, volunteers, and they're just out there day and night beating back the flames. And, you know, it's just, we're so lucky we have people who, you know, can do that and, and kind of support us. It's amazing that people actually do that, like volunteer to fight fires. I can't imagine saying bye to my family and saying, okay, I'll be back, I hope. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to look into it. I feel like I need to do more. I kind of, the other night I was thinking my friend Duncan was out there fighting and I was sat on the couch watching TV and I just thought it's, it's not good enough. <laughs> so watch your space, Matt, the firefighter. Wow. <laughs> this seems like a good spot to mention our own support. And that's the support that keeps this podcast going. Streamtime, the defender of creativity. So you don't need to spend too long in the paperwork. I love how Streamtime's always looking forward. If you go onto their website and scroll down on the right-hand side, you'll see a link called The Future. This is effectively Streamtime's to-do list. It's got all the big ticket items that they want to get to, it's, and it's pretty inspiring to see where they want to go. You've got predictive analysis, culture management, building better data tracking. Like, these are just some of the things they're currently working on. So if you haven't tried it, head over to Streamtime.net to try for free. And if you like it, use the code ADR2020 and get a discount. We'll leave a link in the episode description, scroll there to, in whatever you know podcast app you're using and, and check out the website, SoundCloud and all that stuff. All right. Uh, who do we have on this episode? On this episode, we have Craig Black, Scottish-born graphic designer, lettering artist, and typographer. Currently, he's running his own student in Gorok, Scotland, after spending much of his formative career years in London. I say running a studio in Gorok, which makes it sound like a really small little boutique because the city's like 10,000 strong or something. But he's really working all over the world. He's a real poster child for sort of choosing where you want to live and then kind of making your career work from there. We talk a bit about that in the episode. We, we met in Brisbane a few years ago at the design conference and missed out on interviewing him up there. So we jumped at the chance to have him on ADR this time around. To be honest, I wasn't aware of Craig or his work before the conference, but you and I both regretted not interviewing him during the trip. So it took two years, but we finally did it. Yeah, it was one of my big regrets from that trip. It was, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to him over beers and we never managed to make the recording work. So I promised myself then, and, and I promised him, I think, that if he ever came back to Australia, we'd get him on. And then when he did come back, I wasn't able to make it. Yeah, no worries. Just me cleaning up your messes as, as usual. <laughs> um, yeah, we, so we recorded this in Melbourne, and it was a great episode to do with Prue Jones. That was a lot of fun, and I got to visit Melbourne, albeit briefly, uh, which I always really enjoy. Yeah, another annoying thing is I didn't even get to edit this episode. So I'm going to be listening for the first time along with the audience. 
I guess I just want to say Craig is such an open and personable guy that every time I've talked with him, I come away with a real insight into something normally around the kind of work versus life questions that I have. But um, should we jump in? I'm pretty keen to hear. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you so much for hanging out in this hotel room. <laughs> it's fancy, isn't it? Yeah. So, it's not um, too bad. I mean, so sitting here with me is Prue Jones. Hello, Prue. Hi, Flynn. How are you doing? I'm really well. It's good to hang out again. I know. There's no cameras. Is this a little yeah. bit more relaxed? Yeah, at least I know where to look now. Couldn't work out where the camera was last time I was with you. Last time I dragged you to Sydney, <laughs> yeah, yeah. put you in front of a camera for a couple of hours <laughs> over yep. half a day. Yeah. This is a bit more fun, a bit more cruisy. Yeah. Because we're hanging out. We're in Melbourne with Craig Black. Hello, Craig. Hello, guys. Yeah, and Craig makes everything better, so he's <laughs> Do have an infectious laugh and an infectious smile, so oh, oh it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, there's no cameras. <laughs> I know. So have to take our word for yeah. it. Yeah, but we're excited. We're excited to be here. You're doing an Agda national tour, which has happened. There's been quite a few international phenomenal artists that have done this tour, so it's kind of well trodden that we here at ADR, um, Prue, this includes you now. Yeah, um, thanks. Like to catch up with people when they're in town and you know piggyback off all the work that amazing people have done to get awesome people yeah. here and um, do a podcast and also kind of dig dive a little bit on what you're here to do and talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worked out really, really well because both Prue and I have seen parts of your talk <laughs> and we can just pull that apart. Uh, awesome. Talk about it here. But you just flew in. Yes, literally about four hours ago, got in here to Melbourne. Um, it's been a crazy and amazing tour so far. Mm-hmm. I'm pinching myself having this opportunity to come to Australia and share my story and the response has just been it's just been mind-blowing really has really really positive and it's connecting with so many different kind of people at different stages of their career from your graduates to your seasoned professionals you could say and yeah like every place that I've went to there's been a lot of a emotional factor as well which is great touching people in different ways and inspiring you, you people you do bring that out in people I would <laughs> say that I, it's it's weird how it all happens I'm a very emotional person, got my heart on my sleeve kind of guy, and it kind of pours into my work, and a lot of people connect with the work through myself as well, and that kind of whole personal brand, which I speak about in my talk. But yeah, it's been it's been incredible, and meeting so many amazing people like you guys. Yeah, I just, I'm able to take my wife with me, which is just even more special. Um, Alison's never been to Australia before, and this is my second time, but we're getting to see places we've never been before. And just being able to share the journey with her has just been yeah. incredible for me, definitely. Yes, you're you're quite newly married, really, aren't you? Yes, so literally. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, um, got married in April time. Yeah. Um, it was brilliant. Um, we went to Mexico. Yeah. And there was 30 of our closest family and friends. Uh, it was just a big party. Nice. Uh, loved it. Love it. Yeah, a lot of sun cream because a lot of Scottish folk. Sunshine, <laughs> <Right>. sunburn. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we had to make sure in the wedding pictures I was covered up. Well, made sure I didn't get sunburned anyway. Just a bit of Photoshop. Yeah, yeah big, oh, nice. big time. Yeah. For my honeymoon, I went to Mexico Probably. also and I got burnt the first day. Um, <laughs> which was wild. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. Knowing full well. Um, so you have had a chance to kind of see Australia, mm-hmm. like while, while you've been here? Have you had a chance to take a little bit yeah, of time? Yeah, yeah. So I've been Sydney, um, Perth, Adelaide, Brisbane, and I went to Noosa. <gasps> yeah, we, we bonded uh, on that on Saturday night. We caught up at the Agda Awards. 
and I was hearing all about his um, impressions of Noosa, oh, and he magical. shares mine. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I loved it. As a Melbourneian, I mean, mm. Noosa is my second home, and my name is Prue. I do sometimes go with Trude. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's very, um, it's very fitting that you like it too. It's, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It was um, so incredible. Uh, just the culture and the way of life, and just everyone's so chilled. Yeah. And I just loved that. And the weather was amazing. Yeah. It's on fire now, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Within the first few hours, we were, me and Arsene were saying, like, how can we move here? How can we make it work? Um, but I think I've Creative just, Noosa. Yeah, Cre- yeah. Forget creative in the I was in just doing a little honeymoon yeah. period you get as soon as you hit somewhere nice. You're like, oh, this is amazing. How can we move? Be here all the time. <laughs> you forget that you would have to work. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Total yeah. holiday mode. Yeah, yeah, so it was incredible. So maybe we could talk a little bit about your journey to to here, like doing, mm-hmm. like doing this tour in Australia. I know my first interaction with you that wasn't online was at the design conference. Yep. Up in up in Brisbane. Yeah. Was that last year? It was last year. Yep. Yes. Everyone thinks it's yeah, so I long was, ago. I thought it was the year before that we met, but it no, wasn't. It was. It was last year, was it? No, it must have been the year before because if you got married in April, you hadn't been married yet, right? No, no, hang on. No, it was April this year. I got this married, year, so sorry, it was, yes. It was last now year. I'm confused. There we go. Yeah. It was definitely yeah, last, last year. year. Mm, unless okay. I've totally missed a year. No, and no, that's no, no. bad news. You can tell me anything and I'll believe you. <laughs> <laughs> time is just non-consistent for me at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, was that your first time to Australia? Yeah, yeah. So, last year was the first time in Australia and I got to speak at the design conference, which was an incredible experience and Shout out to Matty Haynes. Big Matty Haynes, mm. the legend himself. Yeah. What a guy, really is. And he, the way I look at it is when I came down here last year, I was totally unknown. Uh, really unknown down here. Um, really kind of unknown in the design scene as a whole. But the beauty about Matt Haynes is he kind of found me through Instagram. I think, I think it was Instagram. He's seen my work, but when he was looking at my work, he could see myself and my personality shining through. Mm. And the way I was... Um, projecting my work and who I was as a person and he really connected with that and we sent a few messages backwards and forwards and I loved the way he was doing it at the conference and then he sent me a message saying let's go for a Skype call and uh, it was the most funniest call I've ever had in my entire life we're just talking about life we did yeah just the way he goes the best five hours of your life yeah it was it was at least five hours and uh, it was insane right. yep. and he's like listen I love you I want to take you down here and I was like Yes, let's do it. Um, and that was um, the biggest kind of conference that I've done at that point. Mm. Prior to that, I was um, probably doing like a hundred odd folk. I was like my biggest one yet. So from going to that to the big ones at TDC mm. um, was uh, incredible. But got to TDC last year and I did my talk and the response was overwhelmingly positive. I mean, really, really positive to the fact that so many people come up to me afterwards and just said hello and said how the story inspired them. Uh, and it made me realise that I've got something to tell. I've got a story to share um, and it's important for me to do that. And it was more like a, a kind of light bulb moment for me in terms of responsibility. Um, because through my, the talk that I share is all about the emotional factor and um, how there's challenging times ahead and how I had to persevere through them to get to certain points in my life. So from that moment, people started to figure out who I was in, in Australia and I connected with Prue and the likes of yourself, Lynn. And Anita was in the crowd as well. That's Anita Lyons from Anita Agda. Lyons from yeah. Agda, sorry. Um, and we met, I think Anita was, I remember we were standing at the hotel, at lobby, and I was like getting a taxi to the conference. And I saw Anita and I just... I didn't know she was. I didn't know who she was. I just noticed there was someone who was potentially going to a, a conference, and it just looked as if she was waiting on a taxi in an Uber. And I thought, 
do you want to share this Uber with me? Are you go to the conference? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Within that five minutes of conversation, I, we mm. just got on so well. Mm. And she's like, oh, you're speaking today? I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hear it. Um, so after the talk, she comes right up to me right away saying, I want to bring you back out here to do a tour. And I was oh, just, wow. my, yeah, right then. right then. So it's almost been a year and a half in the making, this tour. Mm. My head was already all over the place. So to hear that um, was really, really exciting. And so to come back and be able to tour the country and, and connect with so many more people, it's just, it's just mind-blowing, really. And it's taken me and given me the confidence to share who I am and my work and, and that story aspect to it. So, yeah, it all started from TDC and it's led now to the AGDA. And from, funnily enough, in the past few days, people have been on social media seeing that I've been doing this tour. Mm. So I'm now going to speak in um, Belgium and Madrid next year Amazing. based off of the AGDA tour. Because they thought, right. oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, right. Well, I, well, I, hope, <laughs> I hope that turns out. But no one else can have you because as what usually happens in this country is if somebody is successful in Australia, we just claim them as our own. <laughs> so you're just, you're just going to be Craig Black, the Aussie designer now. So yeah, switch, switch nationalities. Yeah, yeah, remember it all started here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> something, something you mentioned just then, obviously doing this kind of talk and tour is a great opportunity. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's good for your career being offered other... Um, you know, other talks and yeah. everything. Obviously, it's like a blowing up kind of situation, right? So <laughs> there's this there's this sense of wanting to capitalize on the the opportunities that you have. You said responsibility, yeah, in there. What do you mean by responsibility? There's a few things being positive um, in a world where there's so much negativity. I believe there should be more positivity, and especially from a male background, sometimes when you're being positive, it can be seen as a a kind of weakness. I've got an amazing upbringing, amazing family around me, and they've always encouraged me to do whatever I want to do, and they've always led me to live a positive life. And, and I've had ch- uh, situations in my life where it's been really challenging, but the positivity of thinking that I've got a good life, I've got good people around me, um, I'm living the best life possible, and having that mentality has got me through some of sticky situations. So just actually sharing that insight can relate to a lot of people in their own situations as well. Mm. Another thing is um, being proud. I'm extremely proud of myself uh, and what I've achieved in a very, very short space of a career. And it's literally been six years since I graduated and I've done a hell of a lot, purely because of hard, hard work, but a sheer desire to, to push myself and be the best I could possibly be. And by doing that, it's, I felt like my st- who I am as a person can make a difference in the world. I'd, I'm one of those idealistic person who thinks that I can change the world. I really mm. do believe that. And I'm actually going to have a lump, <coughs> a lump in my throat saying it because oh, I genuinely yeah. do believe it. And that's why I started that social enterprise back home, which we'll, I'll chat later on about. When I first graduated, I used to go to design talks and conferences across Europe and London and stuff like that. Used to see people who I really admire, loved their work. And when I went to their talks, all it was was a portfolio showcase, which was which is great, and it's good to see the insights and hear a bit more. But I wanted to know how do you go from from graduation to your first job to what's the stepping stones to get into that big client, whether it's Nike or Google or, or Apple, whoever it may be, it doesn't matter who that brand, but just those stepping stones and how did you get there? And I never got that, and I felt so lost watching these talks. I was so frustrated by it that. I came away inspired by the work, but a little bit dejected in, in the sense of like, where do I go? Well, how, how do I potentially get to that point? What is, where's the map? Yeah, where's mm-hmm. the map? It, it's, not even to follow their map, but it's just a, a kind of sense of a blueprint that 
these are the struggles that are going to come ahead of you. But when they come, just push through, push through. Um, and that was important for me. From that, I remember that moment. It was in Belgium, actually. It was a conference in Belgium. Uh, and I saw this designer. And I was just so fucking angry at the end of it. Not at him, but I was like, <laughs> just because I wanted, I was desperate for that information. Because mm. I was at this point in my career where I didn't know whether to push on as an independent or do I stick in the place agency where I'm at? Where do I keep going? So I promised myself from that very moment, if I ever get on that stage, I'm going to share the stepping stones to where I get to wherever I am at that point in my life. And because I've done that, so many people are connecting and being finding it so relatable to their own careers at different points. Yeah. And and that's why I felt like it was a responsibility for me to share that. Um, and it's not to say my story is right or, or wrong, but... It's your story. It, it, mm. it does. You can only I, tell me your story. Right? Yeah, totally. And I think it's important for people to understand that um, and don't ever put anybody on a pedestal. That was a thing for me is even when I did watch all these people beforehand and they're working with amazing projects and big budgets or big clients or whatever, like they all started somewhere. They all started in a college or a uni and we're no one. And I always tell that everyone, like it took me two and a half years of practicing and no one knew who I was, absolutely no one. But I kept thinking bigger picture of where I wanted to go and I kept practicing, practicing, practicing. And then things started to slowly open, doors started to open, opportunities started to occur. And in that journey as well, I learned more as a, a person, as a man and, and the people around me and I had a responsibility to just be the best I could possibly be as a human being, as in a creative mm. kind of thing. So. so you don't really separate the two things. I mean, they're, they're both quite synonymous for you. No, like, no, no they're, they're one for me, to mm. be honest. Everyone keeps going, how do you do with work-life balance? And it doesn't work for me like that because it's, it's one, like I don't work long, long hours. And that's a, to be honest, it's totally down to my wife. Um, so my wife's a, a mental health nurse and... She works in the local prison and she loves her job. She's an amazing person. And what was happening was when I started my own business and went out on my own, I was working late, late hours because you always think, I need to do more, I need to do this, yeah. I need to do that. And you're always chasing whether it's the next project or try to get a project in the door or whatever it could be. Getting paid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but because I was doing these late hours outside of like the normal nine to five, it was killing me physically and mentally and it wasn't helping anyone around me I was being come back to like I'm not going to say angry but I was just a very frustrated person and didn't know what I'm doing I wasn't given enough time to Alison and my friends and family so she implemented a, a rule which was a rule that sounds mm. pretty harsh but it is a rule it was yeah. a rule and when she comes in from work at quarter to five every single day my MacBook is down and I'm finished for the day and I was like Okay, but in my head, I'm like, it's never <laughs> going to work. It's never going to, because yeah. create, as creators, we've, we've worked late into the night, you know what it's like. But I promised her, I'll, I'll try this. And to be honest, it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me, revolutionized my whole life. Yeah. Because when I start working in the morning, say it's like half nine, ten, like till, so ten till quarter to five, my productivity levels are sky high because I know when she comes in, it's game over. And I get to spend time with my family and friends and Alison and do whatever we do outside of work. So, and that's hugely benefited me. Uh, and just keeping maintaining that has just been mm. incredible. And I, I highly recommend it to every single person. Yeah. I, I was in New York last month and I was saying this to a lot of the New York designers and some of them were just gobsmacked. Yeah. Absolutely gobsmacked because mm. they yeah. work they crazy. Have yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. Um, very late working yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. There's a word that you haven't mentioned. Well, I don't think you have. 
but um, that comes to mind uh, uh, when I think about you is, is discipline. Yeah. And so this story does not surprise me at all yeah. because you're, you have incredible discipline over yourself, yeah. I think, and your work practices. And, and yeah, I think I'm so glad you actually picked that out because it's, it's actually a huge part of who I am and, in my practice because at the end of the day I need to pay the bills I need to I've got responsibilities I've got a mortgage I've got a wife I've got all these things and if I'm not disciplined enough then these things are not going to get paid and Mm -hmm. being taken care of but the biggest thing is the discipline and set myself deadlines to get those things done Um, whether it's especially in a project or personal projects or anything that tasks that I have I don't I always set myself a deadline because that means whatever it needs to be done in that time frame that's the best I could possibly do yeah and then I can move on so you subscribe to this idea of you know if you're setting yourself a deadline Mm -hmm. that you know that perfect is the enemy of good thing Mm -hmm. like what your definition of done your definition of good like do you I find that hard to reconcile you're so disciplined and you're so committed to the most amazing outcome possible do you ever have to kind of go "Mm, I'm gonna have to leave this here like it like I know in my mind that this could be a million times better, oh. but I'm just gonna like cut it because this yeah. is, now I have to move on to something else. It does something else. Uh, yeah, I get that all the time. I look back at all my work and I could fine tune everything. I could, <laughs> I could honestly nitpick and change everything. But the way I look at it is, whatever that task had to be in that timeline, I gave it my all, and I'm physically and mentally exhausted. And then from that, I just go, you know what? Well done, Craig. I always a big thing I've started to do probably in the past year and a half is congratulate myself a lot more and it's very cheesy even saying it out loud and looking in the mirror and smiling and saying well done because I'm a big believer in positive affirmations as well and positive mantra and saying those things out because if you say it out to the universe then positive things will come back to you Um, so a, a big thing for me was congratulating myself and even in the small ones and small projects and small tasks like even celebrating those whether it's going buying myself a pair of trainers or going for a nice meal um, I think it's important to do that because everyone gets so hung up on like big big projects or, or moving on to the next thing rather than just looking back and going look at what I've achieved mm-hmm. rather than thinking what, what I've not achieved mm-hmm. and I think that's a big problem in the design industry right now is everyone thinks like I've not done this yet I've not done that and I used to fall for that as well I used to be a culprit of that mentality but I think in the past year and a half my mindset has just radically changed yeah. to what what I've done and what I've achieved. That leads me to my question. Something I wrote down, which I absolutely loved, um, and I'm not going to do the accent, I promise, <laughs> but you said, yeah, I used to be an angry wee man. Mm. Just before we press record, I was I was saying to you that I don't know if that was banter between you and your wife, um, <laughs> you know, just kind of saying, oh, you know, I kind of used to be an angry wee man. But do you, were you genuinely, like, found yourself, you were a little bit negative? And if so, like, like what was the catalyst of turning all this around? Because you said you changed, like, mm-hmm. and you've learned all these skills. Like, yeah. like what, was there a, a pivotal point? Was it a gradual thing? It was It was a gradual thing. So, come back to the, the angry wee man. We don't do titles <laughs> of episodes anymore because it was just too much effort. But, yeah. Um, can we make this one? This, yeah. this would be the title. Yeah. Um, angry I mean, wee man. That would be amazing. Um, <laughs> I think it was, I used to put a lot, a lot of pressure on myself. I think unnecessary pressure. I don't get me wrong. I still obviously put pressure myself on that in terms of be the best I could possibly be in whatever field I am working in and typing lettering. But it was excessive. I mean, like I felt like I would do one project and get it finished and go, "I was shit. I'm not good enough." Look at this person. Look at that. And comparing myself to others, and that would got me in a downward spiral. And I would just get so angry with myself and frustrated in the sense of like, 
oh, the project's haven't come in yet, or why am I not doing this? And I'm getting angry at clients for feedback, even though it's not even bad feedback. It was just, it was a multiple little things. And probably the time that I was probably the angriest <laughs> was when I was in London. So I, was in, I started off in London, started my business as an independent designer while I was in London. And I worked from this little cabin studio in North London, which actually was my bedroom as well. It was a brilliant little getaway, brilliant from getting away from the hustle and bustle of London. But I was in there 24 hours a day, literally mm. working, sleeping, working, sleeping. And I wasn't interacting with people. My wife was back up the road in Scotland. All my family and friends were there. She would, I remember she used to phone me, um, say she's going to work for half five, six o'clock or whatever. And within about two minutes, I'm like, I need to go, I need to finish this project, I need to finish. And this lasted for about two or three weeks. Mm. And then she phoned me, she's like, what is going on here? I says, every time I'm calling you, all you can think about is work. And you're just not yourself. And all you want to do is cut me off. And I says, you've been working for nine hours a day and you can't even give me a five minute phone call. Um, and that was probably a turning point for me uh, in my head. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Because mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about the people around me and the impact that I'm I'm having. Um, and I always remember, even my mum was back in school and she was calling me and uh, I just wasn't, not that I wasn't answering, I was answering, but I was just like, mm-hmm, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in my mind, it's not even in conversation. And I've not seen my mum in months. I've been away and, and I love my mum to pieces and I'm, she, you know what I mean? So... That was just a defeat. That was probably the moment I'm going, I need to get a grip here. I need to change this. I says, I love what I do. I said, but this is, it's making me more angry and frustrated. That it doesn't need to be like this. So speaking to my wife um, about it, and just actually speaking to my friends about it as well. So I've got 10 close pals back home, none in the design scene, none in creative. They're right. just brickies and labourers and I love them all to pieces, but I'm able to speak to them about stuff and life and away from design and that's hugely hugely beneficial for me i remember shortly after that kind of moment i went back home for the weekend and um, i went to the pub with the boys and it was the best experience ever we just sat in the pub for hours and just caught up and i was like what am i doing in london like it's making me and i just didn't enjoy the lifestyle down there anymore i, I was past the honeymoon period and mm. um, i f- thought that i had to be in london to get the work and that was the only thing that was tying me down there um, and I just missed everything about back home, um, the culture, the lifestyle, the people, um, socialising. And I remember, it was at Christmas time actually, I went back home. I was in the airport and I had to go back to London um, and I was distraught. I was in tears, literally in tears going, wow. why the fuck am I going back to London? Because the only thing that was holding me there was literally this idea of because of clients and I don't know, if I was based in London, that makes me more prestige. Mm. That was the kind of mentality I had, and I was like, fuck that. Like, I am unhappy. I am literally unhappy. All my happiness is back in Scotland. So I remember I said to my wife, I'll be back in three months. And I was like, right, cool, I've set that deadline. The next day came, and I was like, nah, I'm going to go back in three weeks. And then the next day, I was like, you know what? Phoned a van, packed my stuff and left after three days Mm. in London. And um, I drove, I got a van, picked up all my stuff, drove back to Scotland, and <laughs> I saw the sign saying "Welcome to Scotland," and I started celebrating. Yes! <laughs> and it was. Oh, it did you give so yourself a well done, Craig? Yeah, I did. <laughs> and literally, the, it was weird because all the weight just left me. Yeah. It right. was incredible. It was like this pressure on my shoulders, and it just left me. And that was probably the turning point. Mm. Um, come back to Scotland, and it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me because 
I'm back home now, working from my hometown, which is Gourock in Inverclyde. Beautiful little coastal town. Um, I'm literally like 100 yards from the water, beautiful big promenade. Um, there's like a small kind of high street and it's like 95% of shops are like independently owned. It's just a real friendly place. It's a lovely place to to grow a business and grow as a person as well. And so to go back there and now be working with clients all across the world and proudly saying that I'm coming from my hometown and I'm not in London and all the major cities and that's a big thing for me is to say that because a lot of people feel that they need to go to New York or London to justify themselves or even to clarify whether they're a good designer or not. Um, don't get me wrong, my time in London did benefit me and I, I wouldn't have changed it, but I had to go back home. I had to go back home. And now it's just, I'm living the best life possible, to be honest. And I've actually got more London-based clients <laughs> in a way, in a way yeah. back home in yeah. uh, my hometown. So and the thing is, I can just get a quick flight down to London. It's, How do you feel when you get off the plane in London now uh, no dread like, or panic uh, or just yeah in and out operations I'm like <laughs> yeah, in, right. I'm out again like, <laughs> yeah so it's quick so want to talk a little bit about kind of your time here with Agda I noticed since um, originally starting to write questions and notes for, for this podcast um, you did a workshop as yes. part of the um, Agda stuff and I recognized the style um, <laughs> which was from your talk which was um, can you maybe talk a little bit about doing that hands-on workshop and also maybe the project that kind of started all that yeah, off. Yeah, And yes. where our freebies are that you were going to... I've actually got gifts. <laughs> oh, I've no. literally got gifts. Oh, my God. I've actually oh. got gifts for you, both of you. Um, I totally forgot to give them, but you've reminded me. Thank you for bringing that um, up. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. I just thought I'd put, drop that in there. Sorry. So um, it's called the Acrylic Fusion Lettering Installation Workshop. Um, it all was inspired from a personal project. I'm a big believer in personal projects because um, it leads to commissions, collaborations, opportunities, exhibitions, and exactly like this project did. And it literally started about a year ago. And I was just always fascinated of how acrylic paint can mix together to create interesting patterns. And I thought, how cool would that look on like 3D type? Um, so I literally went to an art store and bought a canvas board. Um, trying, I, I was just figuring it all out on the go, but um, got laser cut um, letter forms and made this installation called London Calling. And I was like, right, I've got one shot at this. How does it work? <laughs> and But I had an idea in my head how it would potentially work. So I mixed the paint up. There's a lot of preparation involved doing this. Um, I set up my iPhone and a tripod, right? It's little cheapest chips nice. just filming me doing this. So I filmed, I got this installation complete and I was like, oh, it's fucking awesome. Like, I was well happy. It took about two weeks to dry. I put <laughs> so much paint on it. Um, this wasn't in, in your room This in is London, in the home studio. No, 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 this is in the home studio back okay, in Scotland. you wouldn't have had any Well, any I ended up, so I've got a sofa in the, the studio and ended up getting paint on the, on the <gasps> side of it. And uh, I know like, Alison's going to kill me here. So I ended up getting a rug, uh, like, kind of rug covered over the paint. She noticed that about four months later. Uh, I thought you were going to say you painted the whole couch. No, no, no. Here's no. another one. Here's no, a <laughs> 3D couch. Now, now I'm saying it's art. Because mm, everyone yeah. likes acrylic It's going to be worth millions yeah, one day. One day, one mm. day. So from that, I, I put this video up of this personal project and it went crazy viral. People were like, this is fucking awesome. And I was like, I know it's fucking awesome. I want to do more now. So it really sparked something in me. I ended up selling that piece, um, commissioned uh, piece of artwork, which is awesome. And then it led to so many more opportunities. And so many people interacted online and, and, and in life when it wanted to know how to do it. And I'm, I'm very open and I want to share everything I've got with the world I want to. Um, so when this opportunity occurred with Agda to do the workshop, they're like, we love the acrylic fusion stuff. Would you love to do it? And I was like, 100%. 
Um, so we did this workshop on Friday there in Brisbane and it was fantastic. I mean, it was really, really incredible because we had so many different people at different stages of their career mm-hmm. and people flew in from Adelaide and Perth for the workshop. When I was speaking to them, they were all at maybe like turning points in their career or wanting a change or, or just wanted to have fun. And that was the biggest thing about this whole workshop was to have fun because I think people tend to forget that the job that we can do is fun and we get to create amazing things and I wanted to bring that back and that kind of joy so we had some students as well and which was great Uh, so we had a class of 30 and I first spoke about the process of lettering um, a crash course and how I do my process taking it from hand to digital then you send that to a laser cut person who will will cut it in plywood or MDF and and how you glue that to an actual canvas board so later in the afternoon, that was a really fun part because some people laser cut their own letter forms as well. Oh. Um, and I brought some 3D letters with me as well. Glued it all down and I just, exp- I don't know, demonstration for everyone and explained the process behind it. And everyone had their own go at it. And just seeing their hands getting covered in paint and the smile on their faces was unreal. Like I honestly like was so buzzing after that workshop. I'm like, I want to do more now. And I want to, everyone's like, you need to do more of this, you need to do more of this. And yeah. then Anita said to me afterwards, like, we should have done this for every state. We should have got this <laughs> workshop because it's been so well received. But it all goes back to a personal project and that's the biggest thing. for That's a huge, huge driver for me and it's something I speak about in my talks is the importance of personal projects because I feel like it's a marketing tool uh, of showcasing the skill set that you have and every personal project I do has a, a purpose to showcase, like, I would love to be commissioned to do this. So I need to showcase the world that yeah. I can do this. And that's exactly what's happened. You're actually really good. Um, like, when I see all of your social feeds and stuff, you're actually really good at curating content and creating content for social. Like, I think, um, I don't know, do you, have you got any advice for designers who who might want to use those channels to kind yeah, of become known? Um, because you're, you really nail it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really been organic in the sense of, I've learned on my own and it fits sense of if I was putting out content, what would I want to see and how would it connect with people? I always try and treat it like that because I see a lot of content, people are putting out content every single day and a lot of it is a lot of nonsense to be honest and I always thought if I can put even one piece of content out a week and people engage with that, then that's good. I think there's a lot of pressure now with social media that you need to be a constant yeah. delivery and you don't have to do that. Yeah. But um because you know what I notice is I think the reason why your social is so um, successful, it's it's because it's got you in it in yeah. that you get on. If somebody comments and says how great your work is, you actually personally get on and thank them. That's, or, or you, the positivity that yeah. you return when people engage with your social. I can't believe really... the amount of people who don't engage with people who congratulate the work or say nice things I just blows my mind like I am extremely grateful to every single person who either comments or likes my work or sends a private message like I am extremely grateful for that so I'll go out my way to thank every single person and see when you do that like that makes that person want to connect with you as a human being as well and the amount of times that I've done that and it's led to so like that social media feed is just going further afield because people want to share that and they want to he seems like a nice guy he, yeah. i want to help him out or yeah. i love his work and he's you want to connect with people like, i'm the same as well like if i comment on someone's work and they just ignore me i'll be like fuck you do you know <laughs> what i mean like <laughs> in the ruthless terms like and i think some people do get above uh above their station so a yeah. lot i see a lot of designers mm-hmm. like that now 
and just think, oh, I'm Billy big time, and I'm very much grounded. I, yeah. I said, we have been brought up, my mum's been amazing the way she's brought me up, so I'm extremely grateful to every single person who connects with me. And I get, uh, going back to, like, students, like, I got a lot of emails as well, and I try and get back, to, I do get back to every single student email, and one thing I'll say to students as well, if you ask someone for advice, and, and they get back to you, and if you don't reply to say thank you, then that's a really big no, right? That's a real big um, big mistake because you should be grateful for that opportunity. They took their time, they've got busy schedules to give you any part of advice. And the amount of times that I've done that has been hugely frustrating because I'll, I get these emails now and I think, should I spend my time doing this? And then I don't get a thank you or just some sort of gratitude. Ask me if I sign pageant. So <laughs> going back to the whole social media thing, I think the another big thing is it's me, it's behind it. Um, and it's, I'm part of my brand, I am my brand, and it's actually showing the face behind the brand as well, is a big part of it, and just connecting on a human level. I see a lot of people who are their agencies or studios, and it's like, it's a bit disconnected. You don't get to see who who's actually behind it. It could be like one man band to a 40 man studio, who, who cares? But if or you- Or woman. Or woman, <laughs> I mean that in a general sense. Yes, so yeah, I just feel like if you can engage with everyone who connects with your work, then it just will organically grow from there and just mm. be a nice person. That's Yeah. It. Well, I think as well as disciplined, I would also use the word um, authentic for you. And yeah. I think that I, I see that as being very authentic mm-hmm. when you... And I also speak about my mistakes as well. Yeah. Like I, I speak That's about the challenge. Yeah. A lot of people won't do that. Yeah. A lot of people don't. And I'm, ve- <laughs> I'm very open. Like I'm, I'm honest. But like I said, I wear my heart on my sleeve and... I think it's important to do that because the funny thing is sometimes I've I've said a few mistakes that I've came across and I've had creative directors of some of the biggest brands and design agencies across the world saying, I totally relate with that, Craig, and send me a, pe- a personal message and I'm like, fucking hell, like, this is a guy who's like working on big massive projects and he's took the time to say that to me and then from there you build a relationship because you've got that instant kind of connection yeah. with that kind of vulnerability. And I think that's another thing, going back to that responsibility, like, Mm. it's okay to be vulnerable. There's been times where I've been out of my depth and thought, fuck, and I've asked for help. Like, I'm not ashamed in that, and I've asked family and friends for help or other creatives in the industry asking for advice on certain topics or tasks at hand. And by doing that vulnerability, it kind of, I don't know, pushes me up in a sense, and it gives me confidence mm. to go, you know what, I can learn from this situation, and if someone comes to me, I'll help in any way I possibly can. So just being open as well, open and honest and authentic is the, that's all I've been, and it's kind of worked for me. But I think that that's what people want from the world in general these days, as you observed before. I mean, the, there's a whole lot of bad shit happening yeah. in the world last, right, right now, and people are really looking for that. My state is currently on fire. Well, yes, yes, exactly. And we, we've just been as, as kind of on fire as well. Like, yeah, yeah, it's awful, crazy. But, but people are looking, you know, all the interactions that you have with brands or whatever, yeah. whatever. But they're looking for that genuine human connection. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that the currency of that is just increasing. Yeah, totally, totally. Mm. Um, I, I th- as you're talking about, like, how your relationship to your brand, it, it is you. There's mm-hmm. nowhere to hide yeah. because it, it is you and that's, you know, like really refreshing and lovely and everything. Do you ever think about like five years, 10 years, and I know you do think about your yeah. five-year and 10-year plan, about like where you might be if you're taking other people on mm-hmm. when you're putting so much um, so much value in Craig Black? Yeah. Um, I've definitely thought about it, and I won't ever be an agency. Um, I'll yeah. always be on my own. Um, Never Craig Black & Co. No, I don't see that. 
because I what I've been doing in the past two or three years is project by project I've been bringing people in to execute right. whether it's a branding project bringing in a copywriter or photographer or illustrator and the amazing thing about that is I've been able to bring these people in but give them responsibility to do their job um, and giving them the freedom to do their job and that's been like a kind of breath of fresh air for me um, really because whether you get these projects in I could easily not I could easily but I could do the strategy I could do all these bits and pieces but I know where my skills lie and I know where I'm best and it's bringing in the right people to do that and because of the way the market is going there's a lot more freelancers and or even the kind of independent people and I found the flexibility a lot more easier to work with. And just because you build up these relationships, you end up wanting to work with your friends as well. And you want to bring them on board. Um, so the more and more that I grow, the more and more people I can bring in project by project. Um, but I'm also, the other big thing about what I do is when these situations occur and when I release these projects, I give them as much light as possible. I say, like, Stephanie did this. Like, she was, a, Stephanie Boyle was an amazing copywriter and she does social media. She does everything. Like, any of those big projects, I'm like, Steph, this is for you, you take over. Um, I've got Ryan Johnson, who's an incredible photographer, but I will highlight them. Like, I will, it's not just like Craig Black, it is Craig, Ryan, and Steph, we did this together. And that's a big important thing for me is to, to showcase that. And, I'm, yeah. and the thing is, every time that I've done that, Steph, Ryan, or whoever, have been hugely grateful because they've actually got a few projects off the back of the project that I brought them in on, which is what it's all about. That's and I, how it works, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I love, I absolutely love that. And I love to be able to be in a situation where I can help other people in that, for instance. And it's got nothing to do with me. Like, that next project, they go do whatever they want to do. Um, but it's just a good thing to do. Um, but yeah, part of the five, ten year plan is, is to be on my own and hopefully one day have a, a villa where I can have an art studio and... <laughs> That's that's a fan in ten years time. Um, Where would it. the villa be? Well, Noosa? originally, well, originally <laughs> it was now, going yeah. to be in Spain, but after Nusa, <laughs> we're like, I think it might be Nusa now. Um, yeah. That's a goal. That's a dream. But mm, so baby steps to get there. Got to work yeah. on the tan. Work, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Need to gradually build that up. <laughs> we probably don't have a lot of time because you have to go give another yeah. talk soon. So, but I did want to. Um, I did want you to share with the ADR audience um, Creative Inverclyde yes. because it's very close to my heart in the sort of thing that I just I just love community yeah. things like this and community initiatives and that, oh, wait, it doesn't exist here. Why don't we create it? Yeah. Um, which I got those vibes mm-hmm. from, from, you know, from your experience going out. Like, why don't we just, why don't we do it here? Yeah. So can you maybe tell us a little bit more about that? Totally. Um, I actually stem from the Australian design community and Australian people. It really did. It inspired me last year year when I was here with at TDC and I realized that a lot of the creatives here make an impact in the community and um, what beautiful murals or working with people around in the, in the community and I just thought this is incredible like I get such a, a warm feeling when I came here uh, people were welcoming and I just wanted to be a part of it and I felt Scotland is missing out my hometown is missing out on something like this and I'm like, why is this not happening? Like, why hasn't it happened? Um, so I came back home and I had this all this energy and I was like, I need to do something to make an impact in my community. I've always wanted to do something good for the community, but I didn't know what exactly. So I came back home and I realised that I stay in a small town um, and then the district of that is called Inverclyde and there's like five towns within that. And it's one of those ones like, oh, there's only one graphic designer. Oh, I only thought there was only me, but it turns <laughs> out there's quite a lot, which is incredible. Really? How yeah. many? 
oh, 10. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, double digits. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I came back and I, I thought to myself, like, why don't I put on an event for creative people to bring other creatives in the area to showcase their story and just tell the community of who they are and what they do? And I ended up just, I didn't know the actual people creatives at first, so I had to Google and try and search or just speak to people. Do you know a photographer? Do you know an artist? And I got all these people. Um, You're so asking your tradie mates? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if they would know any artists or anything like that, but I managed to get these uh, amazing creatives from my area to come and share their story. Um, I, I, I'm one of those guys who just grabs a bull by the horns and just thought, right, I'll find a venue, I'll put on an, a few marketing material together and just put something on. So I put this event on and we literally had about 20 people turn up. 10 of them were my family and friends, um, which was yeah. great support. But from that night, it sparked something in me and sparked something in the community because every single person who were there says, whatever this thing is, Craig, like you need to go forward and, and, and take this forward. And, and to be honest, I didn't know exactly what I was doing in terms of trying to create social good. I didn't know how to formalise all that. But I was so inspired, I was like, let's do another event. right? So I put on another event, I think, two months or three months later, another bunch of creatives um, sharing their story. And we had about 35 this time, which was great. But the one thing that is when you do these kind of public speaking or you put on the events, you don't actually know who's in the crowd. So what turns out is there was politicians, there was um, council members That's who were amazing. in the crowd, business owners. And the message spread to a woman called Louise Hunter. Um, so Louise is an amazing, amazing person. She runs an international events management company. She worked in London for 30 years, moved back to her hometown of Gurok, where I stay. She literally works five minutes away from me. She caught wind of this creative Inverclyde thing, which I've just started. Didn't know what it was. She's like, send me an email saying, I would love to catch up with you. Um, I spoke to her. It was maybe about half an hour, or like three hours later. Really, really connected. And we're seeing the same vision in terms of how we believe that creativity can create social good within Enverclyde, especially. And she, she said to me, Craig, I've worked with presidents across the world, big, big time businessmen. And says, but see, with you, your personality and infectiousness, like you're one in a million. I'm just like, oh, OK. <laughs> uh, she's like, whatever you do, I'm on board. And I was cool. just speechless, like, wow. let's take us to the next level. And I was like, fuck. So. Part of that, though, is another guy, um, Andrew Bowman, who's a, a kind of business development manager who works with brands across um, Europe. He stays in my hometown. He's got the same vision. And with three of us just connected and thought, why don't we just join forces and actually become an actual social enterprise, like a, an actual thing? And I was like, let's do this. And they two are much, much more wiser and experienced than me and come from two uh, different backgrounds as well. So it was just ideal. So now it's only been six months and we're actually officially a social enterprise aimed at creating um, social good across Inverclyde in Scotland. And so we started to do more and more events. Obviously, the experience of Louise has really benefited us because we put on an event six months ago and we had like 100 people and then the next one was 150 people. And this is a small town. Like, this isn't a city. And the biggest thing is, and I don't know if I've got these statistics correct, but... It's around about 70% of the Scottish population stays in towns and cities outside of the major cities, such mm. as Glasgow, Edinburgh and Aberdeen. And who's catering for them in the creative industry? No one at all. So I felt, again, talking about responsibility, I felt like I'd take that responsibility on my shoulders and make something happen. So me being the 
on social media started shouting about creative and like, all I wanted to do was bring positivity and with creativity kind of thing and making an impact in my community and I've honestly been so shocked at their response so far and in an amazing way it's connected with so many people from far and wide we've had people traveling from I'm trying to put it in context but Ayrshire and Glasgow is like an hour and a half away to come to our small town for these events and it's been incredible because we're, what we're doing is not only having people just speaking we're purposely doing like um, a thing called Creative Connections, which is essentially like a networking event. I'm taking the networking aspect out, but connecting people together. And because that was the biggest feedback we got is we don't know who is in the room. So I thought, right, let's bring these people together and just almost kind of force them to talk, right? Mm. Do a little session where you speak for three minutes in groups of three um, and you ring a bell and you move on next. So it's creative speed dating. Yeah, yeah. basically. Awesome. Uh, but honestly, it's been the most incredible thing ever the one thing the story comes out to me it sticks in my mind was there was this woman who ran a, a music events company in the area and she was struggling for artists to bring on board to promote across Scotland and the guy beside me was a young lad who was uh, studying graphic design but he was a professional bagpiper and he wanted to take up bagpiping in a commercial form and um, but didn't have an agent and I was like well you do music, agent, and you're a musician. Why don't you two just combine? And they're now combining and doing a, Nash, a tour around Scotland. Wow. And he, the funny thing is, is he is um, doing the market material and um, using his graphic design skills. I was doing bagpiping. And then it's just, and she's helping him out. And it's just amazing how that all came from an event that I'd done. And there's been much greater and greater um, projects um, which are happening off the back of Creative and McLeod. So we're doing these creative events you could say but part of that is more kind of hard-hitting projects i'll speak of the prison one in a second but the first one is end of the line festival so we um saw inspiration from edinburgh fringe i don't know if anyone's ever been to edinburgh fringe festival but it's absolutely incredible i highly recommend it last for a month in edinburgh in scotland and it's like combining art culture theater dance comedy, comedy yeah. yeah all in one and we thought why don't we bring that to our hometown and we put it on our high street and then part of that as well is I can start doing like an art mural trail and we'll do but we'll work with the independent shops so we're think we've got a laundrette and we're going to do a theatre show in the laundrette called the Steamy um, there's the Steamy the Steamy okay, yeah cool. and there's pubs and we're going to do Robert Burns recitals as well um, it's actually working with the business owners to make events as well rather than just like having a street party, like it's actually bringing people out of their business and going, how do you think this would work? And um, there's a florist as well. She, is, her story is about flowers. So we're doing this flower trail um, from the shop up to this church oh. where you follow the trail and she'll be doing the, the poem. Um, so that's one amazing project that we've got going on next year. Uh, and then following that, the probably most special one for me is The Prisoner project um, working with the prisoner in Greenock Prison which is in my hometown so my wife a mental health nurse in the prison and she's always wanted me to go in and speak to the prisoners uh, and just to share my story and inspire them but to be honest I was a little bit scared um, mm. and I didn't know what the real purpose would be I didn't know what my focus would be on it um, so I held back for a while on it um, but I spoke to Louise and Andrew, who are the other co-founders of Creative Inverclyde, and they felt, no, this is something that we need to take on, because the biggest thing that I want to explain here is, when we speak about community, it's everyone. It's not just creatives, it's from your prisoners, 
to the underprivileged kids, to your anyone who else is doing well off. It's every single person, and we want to help in any possible way through creativity. Um, so that's why what we're doing is really, really special. So I went into the prison. I'm um, sorry. So we what we're doing is an art exhibition next year with the prisoners. And um, some of the prisoners have got fantastic artists. I mean, incredible. They blow me out the water, literally do. Um, but we wanted to give them a voice to share their story, and a lot of them feel um, are so excited to be a part of this because they feel like they've got no face um, and no voice, and they want to share their story in a sense of basically educating the outside world of what it's like to be a prisoner and to not to learn from their mistakes. So when I went into the prison, I essentially did this workshop and I presented my work to them. And what I was explaining to them was, is this is a guy from the same hometown as you working with brands across the world and the impact that I'm making. And a lot of the prisoners actually sat up off their chairs and went, fuck, like, this is real. Like this guy who stays in this hometown, the same hometown as them, is doing this and says and it really inspired them and I was just blown away by this. So I explained we're gonna do this art exhibition, they all loved it, blah blah blah. But we're gonna do this workshop so you're sketching ideas and that kind of thing. So in this moment it was a large art classroom and I stepped outside. I went into this other classroom to do something else. And the art teacher came rushing in. She's like Craig, 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 you need to come see this. I'm like, what is it? So I walked back into the classroom and it's a big square table there was 15 prisoners, male prisoners around, and they were all sitting, talking to one another. They were sketching, coming up with ideas. And I'm like, what's what's the big deal? And she turned around and said to me, Craig, in the past 15 years, we've been doing so many other workshops, experiments, trying to get prisoners to collaborate, and it's never worked. You've been in here for 15 minutes, and these guys are talking and collaborating. Like, this is special. I said, you should be extremely proud of yourself. And that match again, I'm from... Uh, <clears throat> get an emotional thing about it but um, that was a moment I was like I've got something to, I've got a responsibility getting back to that thing responsibility I've got a responsibility here to help and uh, oh I'm getting emotional here <laughs> um, so seeing that was a very special thing for me um, it made me realise the importance of my own career and the impact I am as a person Yeah. but the most significant moment about that whole thing is literally I found out a couple of uh, last month that two of the young prisoners who just got who were part of my workshop got released and now are going to study graphic design oh, based off my talk brilliant. and they wanted they realised that they wanted to change their life and seeing my work and seeing who I am as a person has radically inspired them. Oh, I'm getting all Validation. emotional here. Um, amazing. That's amazing. That, that's yeah. probably probably a good time to to finish it up. On <laughs> yeah, I don't want to start very, crying. <laughs> very lovely note. Yeah. But yeah, thank you, thank you so much um, for sharing all no, that. With thanks us. for having me. Um, and just going Incredible stories, paths and stuff. That's what makes They're it a the good, best yeah. Ones. yeah, good yeah. episode. Exactly. Um, so what we do is just go around and find out where people can best find out about you. So we'll start with you, Peru. Where can people find out more about you? Um, well, I have an Instagram account, mm-hmm. uh, Prudence M Jones. I just today deleted my Twitter account because I never use it. So, okay, so not Twitter. Not Twitter. Right. Um, or you can drop me a line at prue.jones at fjordnet.com. Cool. And Craig, Instagram is probably the best place to connect with what you're doing? Yes. Um, you can Instagram and Twitter is at underscore Craig Black. But the best place is probably LinkedIn. Um, I'm massive on LinkedIn right now. Uh, the, so the last like six months, the amount of people that have we've finished 
an episode and they've said actually i'm on linkedin like, yeah. yeah please connect what with me on happening? linkedin that's where you usually find me um yeah. best to if you get any questions or want to reach out on there you can see my work at craigblackdesign.com so yeah that's the best places to find me fantastic yeah. well this has been fantastic yeah. talking to you very infectious Likewise. smile <laughs> my my um Jaw is hurting from smiling looking at you as you talk about some of this stuff you're so passionate oh, about. Thanks so much. You can find you can find me on everything at Flynn Tracy and you can find <laughs> this episode and more at AUSDesignRadio.com and you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud and Spotify at AUSDesignRadio. Thank you, Prue. Thank you, Craig. Thanks, thanks for having me. Awesome.